This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 101 of the Catholic Foodie. It's a special Advent episode. This is created especially for the 2010 Catholic New Media Advent Calendar, which you can find over at CatholicRoundup.com. That's right. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and I'm very happy to be here with you today as we round up our roundup. Hey, listen to me. I'm looking at Catholic Roundup here, CatholicRoundup.com, with Sean McGahee, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused. He's got some good stuff over at Catholic Roundup. We are winding up Advent, is what I'm trying to say. Today's the 19th of December, 19th of December. We are in the O Antiphon era here winding down the last, the final week of Advent. We have four full weeks this year. Isn't that amazing? So stick around right here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right, it's a long Advent this year. Uh, We actually have all four weeks, uh, but it still goes by so fast, doesn't it? It's amazing how fast Advent goes by. I was thinking last night, you know, we really should change this and maybe add a couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I need a lot more time to get ready myself, and it just seems like you blink and Advent is gone. And I mean, I'm sure that part of that is because uh, Christmas is, you know, uh, in the secular world, Christmas, that you start to celebrate it when? Like at Halloween. So it's understandable. It seems like it blows by, but in actuality, we do have this thing called Advent, and it's very good to remember that. Uh, Advent is very important. It helps us to really focus on Jesus, focus on uh, the coming of our Savior. So, and today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to reflect just for a few moments about the reading for Mass today, the fourth Sunday of Advent. But before we jump into that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors, Divine Office. The rising morning praise rejoice. Ye lights of evening find a voice. Alleluia, alleluia. The hymn of praise that is sung through all the ages in the heavenly places and was brought by the high priest Christ Jesus into this land of exile has been continued by the church with constant fidelity over many centuries in a rich variety of forms. Now that form is electronic and freely available on the web in audio and print. This most new presentation of the ever-ancient form of the Liturgy of the Hours is divineoffice.org. DivineOffice.org ministry joins the ever-ancient and always new hymn of praise to encourage greater participation in the hours, both at home and in local parishes, even as it offers an apprenticeship in liturgical prayer to individual and group listeners. We are a virtual community of prayer everywhere and always. DivineOffice.org that's a fantastic message there from our sponsors, DivineOffice.org. And, you know, one of the things I, uh, I um, suggest to people who want to grow in prayer 
is to pray the liturgy of the hours because you're really praying the, the you're praying the the official prayer of the church and uh, there's an ancient saying lex orandi lex credendi that's uh, ancient Latin saying here in the church and is called that the is it's basically it means the law of prayer is the law of belief so what that's saying is that the way that we pray really shapes and forms what we actually believe the content of our beliefs. And uh, which it can be very eye-opening too when you start to wonder about your own view of God. Like, how do you, how do I really see God? You know, what is God? Who is God to me in my life? And you start to look at how you pray, and that will really shed light on your view of God. And some sometimes, and I know I, this has happened to me in the past, I have come to uh, quite shocking realizations that hey, um, the God that I've been imagining in my mind is not the God that Jesus preached preaches to us in the in the Gospels. So, you know, that's a, it's a good good chance for a conversion there. Um, but the Liturgy of the Hours, the official prayer of the Church, uh, helps us to pray as the Church prays, to pray as Christ prays. So uh, I highly recommend uh, divineoffice.org. Excellent, excellent way to grow in liturgical and private prayer. And speaking of prayer, we're going to start today with the prayer for the liturgy today, once again, the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's December 19th, and this is the prayer that the church gives to us. Actually, she gives two options here. You have the opening prayer. You also have an alternative opening prayer, and I'm going to pray right now the alternative opening prayer for today. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, all-powerful God, your eternal word took flesh on our earth when the Virgin Mary placed her life at the service of your plan. Lift our minds in watchful hope to hear the voice which announces his glory and open our minds to receive the Spirit who prepares us for his coming. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Beautiful readings today, and we're going to reflect just uh, uh, briefly on the gospel reading. But that first, the first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, and this is where we get that that quote, right? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times in my life, when I think about Christmas, two images pop in my head and and kind of stay there, and that of course is Jesus, is the baby Jesus. And his mother Mary. Those two images really kind of, I don't know, uh, highlight for me uh, or symbolize for me my, my thoughts of Christmas. But the church today gives us this gospel reading from Matthew's gospel, which highlights a third figure, a figure that is very, very important, and one that's important to me personally as well. This is Saint Joseph. And I have to admit that oftentimes when I reflect on Christmas, and and our Savior being born, I'm really only thinking about mother and child. And Joseph is not in the picture. And that's I, I'm sad about that. So St. Joseph, help me. <laughs> Jesus and Mary, help me to remember more, to think more about St. Joseph. Uh, but listen to how, how Matthew does this today in, in his gospel. This is after the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, this is what this, let me just read this. This is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So powerful gospel, and as you can see, the, 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 the principal um, uh, character here in this particular reading is uh, St. Joseph. St. Joseph uh, is told, we are told, was a just man. And, you know, I think about St. Joseph from time to time. I think a danger for us always in reading Scripture is, is it's so far back there, and we're so oftentimes ignorant of some of the little details that are tucked away there in the literature that we we fail to, to get a real sense of the reality of these folks. And they become just almost like fairy tales. And St. Joseph can become like that for us. You know, but we're told that he was a righteous man. He's a just man. Now, later in Scripture, at another place in Scripture, we find out that the just man sins seven times, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it kind of brings home to us the realization that Joseph was a sinner. Joseph was a sinner. I mean, he was justified. He's a justified sinner, but he was a sinner. He's a saint. Yet he was not like Mary, conceived without sin. He was not like Jesus, the Son of God, who was sinless. He was a, a sinful man. He was justified, but still sinful. And he's living, and not only living, but has responsibility for mother and child, these two individuals, these two human persons who were sinless. I, For myself, I could just imagine that would be terrifying. <laughs> that would be terrifying. I guess one of the, the remarkable things about Joseph, though, is that he lived probably just a life of complete self-sacrifice, so he's not even thinking really about himself. Um, but goodness gracious, to have been there, to be responsible for Joseph, I mean, for Jesus and, and Mary, when you yourself were so, I don't know, just just not not up to par, I guess, is the <laughs> one way you could look at it. I don't know. That's kind of kind of makes me nervous. But one of the things that I pray for at Christmas time in particular. A few times out of the year, I really do pray, kind of focus on this. St. Joseph's feast days uh, or other times, St. Joseph the worker and then St. Joseph the husband of Mary. Um, and that is just to get a, a real sense of who St. Joseph is as a human being, as a person. I mean, he was a man. He was a real man. He worked. He worked hard. He was he was a carpenter by trade. He he worked with his hands. And uh, during that time, as as... Uh, when Jesus was born, during that time, life was not easy. I mean, we can see just the Holy Family. You have this blessing of God. God is coming in the flesh, 
Emmanuel, God with us, that God is going to take upon himself human flesh. He's going to have a human face, and that's going to happen not just now, not just once, but but for all eternity now, God is human. It's it's mind-blowing. We can't even grasp this, how incredible this is. But all of this happens in a very real time, in a very real place. You have a, 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 a place of just uh, unrest, of, of, of upheaval. Uh, Jerusalem, Israel is occupied by Rome. They are militarily occupied. You have uh, taxes being, because, you know, of course you've got the Pax Romana. Rome uh, conquers, but he, they kind of leave everything intact, or at least as much of the, 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 the culture, the religion of the, of the people, the government of the people that they conquer intact just enough to where there's there's no revolt, you know? They, they kind of keep them a little happy, but it's all token happiness. All the things they have, token power, uh, but it's, it's the Pax Romana. Well, uh, you still have this unrest. You have people who are uh, being heavily taxed, and you have, you have them being taxed by their own, uh, their, own, their own people, Jews, right? The tax collectors working for the Romans. You have a lot of uh, dirty politics going on with Herod, who is still king, yet he's not really in charge. Rome is in charge. Uh, you've got uh, a, a system, a religious system, set up in place with the high priests that wasn't always, as Jesus will point out very powerfully several times in the Gospels, was not favorable for the common person. And, and then you have, you have God coming in the midst of this. He doesn't wait until everything is perfect. He comes in the midst of messiness. He comes in the midst of garbage. And how does he come? He comes to a, a regular family, a normal family, a mom and a dad. And, of course, we know and we think of this often, you know, Jesus, well, we think of St. Joseph as the foster father of Jesus. And it, it, sometimes that language, we, you know, theologically we're making a statement. We're saying that Jesus really had no biological father. God himself fathered Jesus. He was the father, right? The Holy Spirit is who overshadowed Mary. She's, she conceived miraculously. All right, so that's what we're trying to emphasize when we say the foster father of Jesus. But I think it really, we lose something when we say that. We, we lose sight of the fact that Joseph was really a father to Jesus. Jesus was 100% human. It was also 100% God. Now, this is the, the hypostatic union. We can't quite explain this in such a way that it makes sense to our brains. But he was 100% God, 100% man. But Jesus was a man. In the, in the Scripture, in the Gospels, we see, we're told that he had to grow in wisdom and knowledge and stature before God and man. St. Paul tells us later in Hebrews that Jesus, son though he was, had to learn obedience through suffering. Now, as God, he wouldn't have to do that, but as a human being, yeah, he does. So Joseph is really a father to Jesus. And think of all the sacrifices that were demanded of Joseph and of Mary. Jesus comes, and immediately God comes into the world, and what happens? His life is at risk. So they have to flee with him to a foreign land. Uh, You're talking about a family that was poor just a common working man, Joseph, who has to go to a foreign country, spur of the moment, and has to find work there. 
And then, of course, you see him coming back later after the angel appears to him again and says, hey, it's safe to go back because the king is dead. Those who are seeking his life, Jesus' life, are, are dead. So uh, you, you see that Jesus doesn't come to us in perfection. He doesn't come to us when things are all nice and rosy and smell good. Matter of fact, he came to us in a cave, a stable. He was kept company and kept warm by animals. And animals, if you have ever been on a farm, have a particular smell. Matter of fact, there was probably a lot of animal poop around there. (laughs) So Jesus is not afraid to get dirty. Jesus is not afraid to, uh, to touch our messiness, the messiness of our lives. And this is the beautiful message, I think, of salvation, that God loved us first, even when we were in sin. He doesn't wait for us to be perfect, right? He comes to us. He doesn't even, he doesn't even hang out and wait for us to show up. He comes to us. Christianity is the only religion in the world, well, actually, Ju- Judaism and Christianity, right? The only religions in the world where God comes to us. Now, the Jews haven't recognized the coming of the Savior, of the Messiah. But uh, in Christianity, we understand that Jesus is the Messiah, but that God comes to us. He doesn't wait for us. You remember Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, the prodigal son. The father was out there looking for his son every day. He's not hanging out inside. He's not waiting around. He is looking for his son. So when his son... And when he sees his son in the distance, he doesn't just stand there and wait and say, oh, well, I'm going to be merciful and I'm going to welcome him back. And No, he didn't even wait. He runs out, runs out to meet his son, grabs him, just embraces him. His son starts to, to make his act of contrition and the father doesn't even let him finish, just completely disregards it, tells the servant, quick, put shoes on his feet, you know, ring on his finger, a cloak around him. Because the son of mine was dead and he is, he's alive. He's back. He's alive. And God is like that. And Jesus comes to us the same way. He does not wait. He is not waiting. He doesn't come to us in a palace. He comes to us in our messiness, in the garbage of our lives, in the pain, in the confusion, in those things that make no sense to us at all. And in a way can sometimes be scandalous, right? Our own lives, our own messiness can be scandalous to us. We can say, there's no way that God can love me because of all the stuff that I've done. There's no way that, that Jesus could come to me, that he, he can really love me. Of course, God loves everybody, but does he really love me? Yes, and this is the miracle. This is the wonder of Christmas, that he comes to us as we are. He comes to us in the mess. And in addition to that, he lives with us in the mess. I mean, think about it. He goes off at 12. He thinks he's, he's a man now in, in a way. You know, the 12-year-old, 12 years old, the bar mitzvah, the Jesus is seen as a, an adult at the age of 12 when he's in the temple. He stays behind. You can't help but hear something of a, it almost sounds flippant. I'm not saying that it was. I'm not saying that Jesus sins. But it sounds to us, to our ears, almost flippant the way he responds to, to Mary. Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Why were you looking for me? You know, it kind of comes across that way. Not, once again, I'm not saying that Jesus sins. I'm just saying 
it comes across that way. It seems like, it sounds like to our ears. But you see what really happens here. He's asserting the fact that he's an adult. But what does Mary and Joseph say? They say, come home, let's go. And what does Jesus do? He goes with them. He goes with them. Mary is sinless. The Immaculate Conception. She did not have that propensity to sin like we do. Joseph did. Joseph is a just man, and I'm sure he, he, was, he was saintly. Of course, we call him Saint Joseph. He's a saint. But he was not perfect like Jesus and Mary. Do you think that Jesus loved him any less because he was not perfect? Did Jesus endure being with Joseph in that house for all those years? Because Joseph still sinned? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because this is the nature of our God, right? He comes to us. He comes to us as we are. He comes to us in our messiness. He comes to us and he stays. Emmanuel, God with us. The, the, in the original uh, languages, in the Hebrew, the way that that, that that word comes across, the image that comes with that is that God pitches his tent with us. We say God with us. God pitches his tent with us. What does that mean? It means he's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. He's here to stay. And there's just so many, I could go on for three hours about this at least, right? The, the beauty of this Christmas season, the, the beauty of this celebration of the coming of Jesus in the flesh and what this means for us, because it changes everything, folks. It changes everything. It changes what prayer is all about. It changes what spirituality is all about. It changes everything. And that's something that maybe we could talk about one day. But uh, God is now human. God is man. And I think today, as the church gives us this reading here, talking about the birth of Jesus, that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us, or God is with us. Uh, And we see Joseph being portrayed here as almost the prime character who receives the visitation of the angel who because he's a just man does not uh, divorce quietly Mary but listens takes the angel at his word and trusts and believes and has faith in God and that God is doing something here and takes Mary he acts on that and takes Mary into his home that he's there with Jesus he's there at the birth of Christ he is there going with Mary from door to door trying to find a place to live, trying to find, not to live, but trying to find a place for Mary to, to give birth. All of this stuff, this upheaval, this, Jesus comes and he doesn't wave a magic wand and take away sin. He doesn't wave a magic wand and take away uh, um, poverty. He doesn't take away the, the, the Roman Empire, Roman occupation. Here, here he is, he comes among his own people And in their minds, what are they looking for? They're looking for a savior who is going to change things for them culturally, uh, in their society, militarily, a Messiah who is going to kick some Roman booty and and, and liberate them from Roman occupation and and to get rid of the heavy taxes and the corruption in their government. Jesus did not do a single thing to change any of that. And that really ought to say something to me and you. Jesus did not do a single thing to change that. When Jesus died, who was still in power? Rome. When Jesus died, 
Was there still corruption going on in the government among for the Jews? Absolutely. Goodness, there was corruption going on in his own followers, his own disciples, his apostles, right? Did he take that away? No. Did he take away their sinfulness? The the even those who follow him, I mean Peter denying Jesus, right? Peter getting bored after Jesus had died and and and, and even rose, and Jesus is like, Well, I'm going fishing. Jesus didn't take away all he wave a magic magic wand. He did not wave a magic wand. And I think that says something to us that even in our uh, um, our poverty, even in our frustration, even even when we struggle with things in our own lives, God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't magically take things away. But what does He do? He stays right there. He's right there with us. He pitches His tent. He is right here, and He is not going anywhere. He is with us. God is with us. So I know I rambled quite a bit there. <laughs> that was just a few thoughts there for you on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent, 2010. Please say a prayer for uh, for the Catholic Foodie and for all those who are involved with the Catholic Foodie or those who listen to the Catholic Foodie. I will be praying for all of you this Christmas and uh, ask that you please keep us in your prayer as well. And uh, as we start to close out, I do want to say one last thing. I want to remind you, it's not too late. Uh, You can go uh, over to simplicitiesoflife.com, simplicitiesoflife.com, and check out the absolutely beautiful, gorgeous rosaries that they have available. Handmade. You talk about craftsmanship. It's unbelievable. Gorgeous things here and durable things that will last, things that, uh, rosaries that you could use your entire life and then pass on to your children or grandchildren. These are are uh, so, so beautiful. Solid bronze, uh, crucifixes and centerpieces and medals. Um, uh, it's a chain uh, that, that can hold up to 26 pounds of force. It, it won't break. Uh, solid, solid stuff. Beautiful. I've got a beautiful red jasper beads on my rosary and and buffalo horns that had been, um, um, what do you call those, whittled? Not whittled, that's one of the words, but sculpted, I guess, into these little beads. Beautiful. You can, you can check out some pictures there at catholicfoodie.com or just go over to simplicitiesoflife.com and see all the many, many different rosaries they have available. Beautiful things uh, that I highly recommend to, uh, to you. You can give as gifts to family, friends, uh, gifts that are both beautiful physically and also spiritually simplicitiesoflife.com also you can reach the catholic foodie anytime by giving us a call at 985-635-4974 it's our voice feedback line 985-635-4974 we love voice feedback we'd love to hear from you uh, you can also email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com and don't forget check us out on facebook facebook.com slash catholic foodie. And until next time, bon appétit. SQPN 
Leading the way in Catholic new media.